This is an artist's impression of what it would look like with Israel camped around the tabernacle. I don't know if you can see, these are supposed to be little, somebody figured they'd all be in uniform ridge tents, which I, I doubt that was what it would look like. But then the tabernacle's in the middle, and it says that once they'd built this tabernacle and they were wandering around in the wilderness, that at night there was a pillar of fire in it, and at day there was a pillar of cloud. And the whole camp of over a million people would only move when that moved. And it manifested in the tabernacle, which is a place where they built for worship. And then the whole, the whole of this million plus people camped in order around this place of worship and this manifestation of the presence of God. That's amazing. So you can see the brightness. And then obviously during the day there'd have been this cloud. So they were, they were camped, literally camped around the visible, tangible, manifest presence of God. And that's the old covenant. And, and they only moved if that moved. They stayed as long as that was stationary, that manifestation of the presence of God, as long as that was stationary, they remained stationary. But they had an experience every day that God was tangibly present on the earth. Amen. Isn't that exciting? And, and it really struck me, I've just been reading about Moses again. I want to talk a bit about Moses, but my kind of theme somewhere is building around the presence. And, and really that's, that's, if you could summarize what we're about in, in, in a, a sentence, that's, that's probably what we're trying to do here. Um, is build around the presence of God. And uh, I know that, that uh, the presence of God can come in a preach, but we're not fundamentally gathered around the preach. Some people say, why do we worship so long? Well, it's because we want to interact with and engage with and welcome and connect to the presence of God. And actually true, what we've seen in Scripture and what we've experienced is a true transformation of us actually only begins to happen as we engage powerfully with him. So just words, just new knowledge is not sufficient to change your life. But an encounter with and an experience of the living presence of God is going to change you forever. Like 30 seconds of that is going to mess you up for good. And and they were having this every day and they and, and that's really God's heart for us. This is and this is old covenant the new covenant is a superior covenant built on superior promises. Okay, so, so this is, when it talks about the Moses' experience of the glory of God in, in 2 Corinthians 3, it talks about how he came out of his encounters with God and his face was shining. Isn't that cool? So just being around God and his glory made his face literally glisten. But it was a fading glory, so they used to cover it up because, I don't know, somehow they were kind of embarrassed that the glory was fading. Uh, and, then, and it goes on to say that, that actually the new covenant is an experience of beholding the glory of God and being transformed into, into that glory with ever-increasing intensity, ever-increasing glory. Wow. This, this, is, this is old covenant glory. What's new covenant glory is going to far exceed this. Uh, what, what really struck me was Moses went up a mountain 
I was reading through it again just a couple of days ago. How many times did he go up that mountain? I don't know if you've been there, but this is one heck of a mountain. And he's up and he's down, he's up and he's, he comes down with some tablets and he breaks them. He has to go up and get some more tablets of stone and, 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 and on and on. And, and, and he's up and God says, do this. And he comes back down again. This, this, this man was 80 plus years old. We know nothing else about him. He was pretty fit by the time he'd been up and down Mount Sinai a few times. So here he is. But he ascends into this glory cloud on the mountain. At one point, the whole mountain shakes. And the people at the bottom are like, whoa, you go for us. We, we, we're too scared to go up there. And, and he comes down from, at one point, he has a 40-day encounter with God. God keeps him waiting for six or seven days and then calls him closer. So, you know, sometimes you just have to hang around and then there's a moment and the glory, the presence of God comes. And, and, and you can't control it in that sense. But he's always here. But that manifest moment is, is something that we need to be sensitive to. And then, So he's up there for 40, 40 days. But essentially, he gets given a, a strategy a bl- and a blueprint of... Go, God says to him, basically, go back down this mountain, build a structure, have this set of plans and build this thing because what you've been experiencing up here, I want to manifest down there. Yeah. And that's what happened. So what he did was he created an environment, he built a structure in the middle of a desert, in the middle of a million plus people where the glory of God could manifest every day. So out of his encounter in the glory of God came a manifestation of the glory of God on the earth. But he needed a strategy, he needed a structure, he needed a blueprint for that to happen on the earth. And, And one of the things we're about here is discovering God's heartbeat, God's blueprint, so that more of what what we know he is and what we sense and feel gets manifest here on the earth. You know, it's possible. Greater Glasgow is about a million people. It's absolutely possible that a community of people like us could host the glory of God for a million people because that's exactly what's happening there. And, and it's so fun that Teresa read that story about how, how our city has suddenly become one of the top hot ticket destinations on the planet. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And it was about a year ago, they, uh, they publicized that um, the Hydro was, has become the second most popular venue, not just in the UK or in Europe, but on the planet. Yay. I mean, what is happening? Glorious things are happening in our city. But actually, I believe it's in that declaration that Glasgow is going to flourish as there's more preaching of the word and praising his name. And, and, and just as we host his glory, it's going to be for the prosperity of our, of our city. So God's presence does things, okay? It, it isn't just a gooey experience. And some people have kind of had a, had a shot at the kind of agenda that, that, that we are running with of hosting his presence, that it's just selfish. Because you all want to gather together and have a nice gooey time in his presence. No, that isn't what this is about. The planet needs more of God. And the more that he is resident and the more that he dwells in us, because we're called to be the place where his glory dwells, the more that that is going to influence and bless our cities and our communities and our nations. 
You know, some of you, some of you have these incredible encounters with you know, Jesus and you see his face in the glory and his presence and angels. And, and some of you in this room, I know you see angelic activity. And even like we were hearing this morning some there from Claire, I was just seeing what God was doing in the room. With uh, he, he was crowning us. He was reminding us of who we were. He was distributing callings and powerful encounters in the room. He, he was actually calling out the riches and the gold in you. He's made every one of you to be a world changer and have a significant impact. And he was just saying, you're glorious. Yeah. As we were telling him how glorious he was and what a good daddy was, he's saying, you're my good kids. I'm proud of you. I think you're awesome. Yeah. And, and, and those two statements in themselves kind of shatter lots of religious thinking. Yeah. <laughs> God thinks we're awesome. He made us like that. As we do that, that whole process of encounter... You can get other things in those encounters. Yeah. I, I heard a testimony of a, he was a guy who was fairly skeptical of the sort of renewal, revival type church movement. And I think his daughter was at one of these um, supernatural schools. And he was a maths professor and he was struggling with certain maths problems. And he came and sat in a worship time. The presence of God was thick in the room, and he got a download of a solution to this maths problem. And he wasn't seeing angels, but he was getting like... If you think about Moses, I mean, I'm sure he saw things about which he couldn't speak, but he also got, basically got a blueprint of how to build a tent in the glory. He got a download, he got a... He got, um, you know, join this pole to this socket, make this socket. If you read it, it gets a bit boring after a bit. Make the sockets of this, put the socket in there, then get the pauper skin over the top, and then cover everything that you make, cover it in gold, and then put the fire on this bit, but not on this bit, and throw the blood on there and not on there. And this is how you used to dress everybody. He was getting all this by, he was getting a strategy, he was getting a blueprint in a revelatory moment. So yes, you will see, you'll have encounters with the incredible presence of God and, and, and you'll see him and you'll experience him and you can see angels and you can get, a, a window opens into the spirit realm. But also in those encounters, you can get strategies for your business and yeah. how, how are we going to change the nation and all oh, that kind of thing can happen yeah. in, in the presence of God. He's like supremely practical and supremely other all at the same time. He, he knows how to build a planet, so he knows how to fix your job. I, I, was, I was watching, some of you know that, that we, were, uh, we took a team to Paris last weekend. Um, so as those atrocities were unfolding, we were doing a meeting right in the center of Paris where we were meeting was near their, like their parliament and round the corner from like their equivalent of number 10 Downing Street. That's where we were last, last weekend. Uh, it was amazing timing. Um, obviously a horrible, horrible event, but I don't think a coincidence that, that we were there. And as, as I was praying about it this week and just catching the news, it's interesting the news from this end, you know, back in the UK... <coughs> And, and, and listening to the perspectives, and I'm just praying, God, God, this whole 
issue of what do we do with ISIS and what do we do with terrorism? What do we do with what do we, and, and, you know, and, and the best and the brightest. You know, we really do need to pray for our politicians. These are not simple things, and these are these are you know, these are dangerous times. And everybody's got an opinion. I watched a bit of Question Time, which I like watching. I know for some of you it's like boring, and but I find it interesting. And, and, and there were some very, very bright people on there, and everybody was having their say, and it's stirring up the emotions, and everybody's got a, an opinion of you know, whether we should bomb them or not. Or, you know. And I'm like, I'm saying, God, we're on the planet to solve this, kind, this level. Let, it's, just, it's just lifting our gaze to think about how do we solve bigger problems on the earth. And, and, and you, do you know what he said to me? You don't really want to know. I can tell you just it's this boring story, really, isn't it? It's just, uh... He said, well, what I want to do is, I want to, I knew you wanted to know, really. The, what I want to do is, let, let me backtrack, let me backtrack. When we were at Leaders Advance uh, a couple of weeks ago, we seem just to have been traveling, it's been that season um, I went to a prophetic training seminar it was about how to go to the next level I thought in, in the prophetic so, or intermediate level I'm like great and, and, and the bottom line was uh, this guy in his church they were training people in the prophetic and they were getting to the point now where the, if, if any missing children the police would ring them and they would get a, the, the location of the... They would tell them, the, the prophetic people would say, the kid's still alive or dead. This is where you find it. This is who took them. Another guy, um, they, a friend of theirs, uh, who's a church leader, started to have dreams. And what he saw in the dream was a graph. So remember that in the glory you can see angels, you can see the presence of God... You can see math equations. This guy started to see these graphs, and he showed them to some people in his church. And one guy who was a, uh, a commodities trader said, that's, that's the commodities price graph. So he said, if you give me what you see in your dreams, I'll trade with those graphs, and I'll give the church 10% of any money I make. At the end of the year, he gave the church $170,000. So, so at a zero to the end, that he, he made $1.7 million in a year through prophetic graph downloads. So this, this group, they have a group that is learning to hear God, where are the missing children? They have a group training themselves to hear God about crime. So the police, they say, we don't want publicity you know, you don't need to tell the world that you're using us to solve the crimes. Ring us up, we'll tell you where the thieves are. They have a group who, who are training themselves to predict the price of coffee, oil, gold in the futures markets. So here I am praying in the middle of the week, what do we do about this, this terror threat? And I just feel the Holy Spirit say, well... Actually, you need to grow in your prophetic ability so that you can ring, so that you become the Holy Spirit MI5. <clears throat> this, is what the, this is what 
the glory coming to the earth is supposed to look like. It's going to benefit the earth in ways that people can't imagine. So they're all racking their brains and how do do we deal with this? But wouldn't it be great if we have a whole company of people that have become so trained and attuned and and reliable. So you have to get a track record in this. You don't suddenly walk out of this meeting and ring up MI5 and say, I know the next bomb's going to be down. And All right, they're just going to think you're, you're nuts. But there are ways of training and growing in, in your uh, level of track record and reliability that produces confidence that eventually the police will be giving us, giving us a call. It, it just made me go, something's going on. And I'm like... We need to lift higher the level of problem that we're shooting at. Uh, forgive the words. The, 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 get our day-to-day stuff, God's, God's all over that. That's what he said to, to the disciples. Don't worry about all that stuff. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. We're here to save people from more than they know. There's probably things already not happening in this city because we're here. There was a worship time a couple of weeks ago, and I think at the end of it I just made some comment that I felt that actually, like Jehoshaphat, was the... the do you remember they sent the worship band? There was a, there was a battle that they were having in the, in the, uh, in the Old Testament, and, and the strategy they got from heaven was, well, here's all these thousands of, of ugly sort of soldiers. We're just going to send the worship band out without any swords <laughs> off you go worship band and, and, and the army will kind of get behind the worship band and, and, and there's this great victory and, and someone as we were worshipping that morning had a vision of knives literally dropping out of people's hands as we were worshipping so around the city you see people do things because they're responding to a spirit as we change the dominating spirit in the atmosphere, the behavior in the environment will change. <clears throat> so when Jesus said to the disciples, do you remember he said to them in, in John 16 about he's going to send the Holy Spirit because that's better. He, it's better to have the Holy Spirit than to have him, than to have Jesus personally in the flesh, and he said that when he comes, <clears throat> he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. You remember that scripture. The thing that a lot of us have missed is it's when he comes to you, he will convince them. So a lot of my Christian life I've been praying for revival and in one way or another I'm praying for the people not in church to get in church. I'm praying for Holy Spirit to get out there and get them so that they end up converted. Maybe that's not how you think but that's kind of but what I've begun to realize is it's our job to recognize and receive the presence of God and the work of the Holy Spirit to such a level that actually the atmosphere around us changes so that they get convicted. This makes a difference. Now I'm not saying that absolves us of any responsibility to tell people about Jesus, pray for the sick. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is 
that as the church learns to be focused on the presence, the atmospheres of cities will and are changing. And the lack of places for God to land has actually made a space in the spiritual atmosphere for a lot of ugliness to break out. Because people do what they do. The Bible tells us that in Ephesians 2 that when we get saved, we're saved, we're saved out from being obedient to the spirit of disobedience. You used to walk in a way which was in slavery to the spirit of disobedience. There's a spirit of disobedience like in the atmosphere that is controlling people. They don't know they're being controlled by it. They don't want to admit they're being controlled by it. But the Bible says that you are moved by a spirit. If, you, if we change the atmosphere, guess what? Holy Spirit starts to have more influence. I thought that was a really excellent point. (laughs) It's completely not where I was going to start, but it was a good start. (laughs) So we have have a, a massive privilege to hang out with God, to worship Him, to enjoy His presence, to... To know what it is to, 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 to be saturated with his presence and not be scared of him when he comes and not react when he shows up, which half the church does, actually. When God shows up, he shows up in all kinds of ways that we didn't anticipate. And then half the church decides to not come back next week because they didn't believe that God could come like he came. We have, in the church, we have... Actually, most unchurched people don't have a problem with the things the church people have a problem with. And lots of people in the church are trying to keep the, what they call wacky things out of the church on the, on the reason that they believe that if the people outside the church saw it, they wouldn't want to come back to church. The real reason is the people in the church, if they see it, they wouldn't come back to church. Most of the unbelievers couldn't give a toss, to be honest. They think if God's real, he can do... They actually have better theology than the church sometimes. They think if God's real, he can do what the heck he wants. If he's, if he, but... You know, this isn't what I was planning to say at all. So, so the day of Pentecost is amazing because as the Holy Spirit comes on 120 people, 3,000 people get saved. The Holy Spirit comes on 120 people, 3,000 people get saved. Many of those 3,000 were the same crowd that was shouting not many weeks earlier, crucify him, crucify him. Now, something shifted in the atmosphere and they're crying out, what must we do to be saved? What happened? Holy Spirit came on a group of human beings, 120, who were able to receive and recognize the Holy Spirit. That whole group, they didn't... Do you remember that story? So Acts chapter 2... To be honest, it's nuts. <laughs> Don't tell him I told you. Lots of churches would split over an experience like this. There's a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Fire appears on people's heads. People start speaking in languages they never learned. And nobody in the room leaves. 
Nobody leaves the church. They all stay. And in fact, Peter stands up and said, this is that. This is what the prophet Joel spoke about. And if you read the prophet Joel and if you read the prophets, there is nowhere a list of this is what will happen on the day of Pentecost. So there could be no sort of high C personality if you've done the disc profile test. Someone who's really into details at the back with their checklist in the Bible going, yep, speaking in tongues, tick, fire on heads, tick, uh, sound of mighty rushing wind, tick. There isn't a checklist. The only way you can know is because you can detect it with your spirit. Wouldn't it be great if we just had even more of him? I just want to ask him, I really like more. I really like more. I'd like, like to see you more, I'd like to know you better. If we could turn in our Bibles, I think it would be good just to spend a couple of minutes on this. In Exodus 33, sorry, yeah, verse 12, I'll just do this to you guys. <clears throat> Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, but... You haven't let me know who you'll send with me. You've said, I know you by name and, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people and the Lord said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Th- this is a remarkable thing because here you have written down a recorded conversation between Moses and the Lord. And one of the things that, that, that's been striking me is this whole idea that God is saying to him, number one, Moses is fixed on, I need your presence. I'm not going if I don't have you. I'm not going, don't send me an angel. Angels are nice, but I need your presence. I need your presence. He's absolutely fixed on, I need your presence. I need you to go with me. And that's his fixed point of reference. And he's not letting go. And he's not even letting God do anything different. Because at one point in the conversation, God's like, I'm not going with you. This, this bunch of people are just a load of troublemakers. I don't want to walk with you. And Moses says, well, uh, sorry, that, that's not a deal I'm up for. Have you ever had a conversation with God like that? He's, he's really like up front. Sorry, God, I'm not doing it that way. But then he says, then God says, I have, you have favor in my eyes. You have favor. And this is an incredible thing. So that, that, that God would say to you that you have favor in his eyes. Yes. To have favor with God is, is the most precious thing. It's the most valuable currency you could, you could have in your life. Now, I'm not talking here in a new covenant sense. I'm not talking here about acceptance. The, the grace of God means we're all accepted for free. It's not by works. It's by faith alone. But I'm talking here about that level of favor, which is that unfair advantage in, the, in life and on the planet, the, the, kind of, the kind of presence of God that greases the wheel, that means you look amazing, and you're like, how did that happen? That kind of favor on your life that gives you influence, that gives you breakthrough, and that empowers you to do the, the crazy, impossible things that God has called you to do. That kind of favor, all right? So God, Moses has already got favor. I mean, for goodness sake, he's already brought in all those plagues and miracles and then parted the Red Sea. This man is walking in favor. Yet if you had a stick and you raised it and the sea parted, you'd feel pretty good about yourself, wouldn't you? Like, man, me and God, we're like this. Like, wow. 
So here he is. He knows he has favor with God. God listens to him. He has frank discussions with him. But he says to him, actually, would you show me, would you show me your ways that I could know you, that I could have more favor? Yeah? So notice he's, he says, I want to know your ways that I can know you, that I could receive more favor. And it's interesting that even Jesus, it's recorded to Jesus in Luke 2, that he grew in favor with God and with man. And I think that's in this realm that he, in his growth as a human being, Jesus was learning the ways of the Father. In Psalms it says that, that the people of Israel knew God's deeds, but Moses knew his ways. Even David cries out in Psalms, show me your ways, because there's a difference between ways and deeds. And if we are people on a journey into more of the presence of God and to know him better and better, then the cry of our heart needs to increasingly be, show me your ways. Because the ways are about the why and the how, not the what. And last time I spoke, I spoke about the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000, and then they're in the boat with only one loaf. Do you remember that in, in Mark chapter 8, I think it is? And, and they're having a discussion about, wow, we forgot the bread. And Jesus is like, did you not learn from the 5,000 and the 4,000 that basically he's saying, you should know already not to worry about bread. But they'd not got the nutrients out of two incredible miracles that they needed to carry with them into the rest of their life. They'd not understood, they'd observed the deeds without understanding the ways. Yeah? Yeah? They didn't understand what God was communicating to them through those activities. Because he never, God is communicating to you through every intervention that you experience in your life every miracle you see or hear about every way that he breaks into your life isn't just an event it's a moment in which there there is nutrients it's a moment in which you have an opportunity to learn about him the the who the how and the why and not just the what yeah so Every week here, you're hearing stories of people who are getting saved. That isn't that we could make a ni- uh, and, and healed. It's not that we could make a nice list of, oh, we've seen God do. That's okay. But it's actually giving us an opportunity to learn something about his heart, about who he is, why he is, and what he does. Why, why, why would he keep doing all that kind of stuff around you and to you and through you? It's because he's showing you something about himself. He's, he's educating you and I in who he is. So that when we meet the next situation that needs a miracle, we're ready. Because we got the goodies and the nutrients out of the ones we've already tasted and seen. Do you, I, I knew we shouldn't have bothered with this today. It's just kind of like... <laughs> so... We need to keep asking, God, show me your ways. I wonder what's what's behind the event. Not just, it was really great in church today, you know, somebody got healed. Really great in church today, somebody got healed. Really great in church today, we had an amazing worship time. That's all good. It's so good what God's done in my life. I've I've seen him give me favor and and I've made progress. I've paid off all my debts or I've got promoted in my work or I've I've succeeded in ministry. All those things are good. 
But what's his ways? What's he, what's he teaching you about him? What's he showing you? What's he educating you in that's going to fuel and fill your life so that you live closer to him? Let, let me illustrate to, to close. Something he started to speak to me about a while ago was giving thanks. And what he started to show me was that he thought it was really, really fun when I gave thanks for stuff that he'd promised and I hadn't got yet. And I've heard this taught, and it's been taught, and I've received it as a kind of a technique. Like, well, if you don't have it yet, but God promised, if you just give thanks, it'll show up. Like, and that, that's kind of a technique that if you do this, it will make God do something. And I started to realize this is not about a technique. This is about my relationship. Some of you heard about love's like, love languages. One of God's love languages is that you believe him when he says something. Yeah. And one of the, to, to try and use human talk, he, he doesn't understand it when we don't believe him because he knows he's 100% reliable. And he also, because he's not time constrained, anything he's promised to him has already happened. Yeah. Yeah. Try that again. To him, it's, as, it, it, it's, it's not only is it as good as done, it's already done. Because he can see the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. So for me to, in my relationship with this infinitely good, transcendent, beautiful, wonderful being called God... He really thinks it's cool that I start thanking him for stuff I don't have yet just because he said it was done. So that's learning his ways and learning what blesses his heart in... Okay? And and one story to... Here's something I'm processing now, okay? I told you the story a bit back how people started getting healed when I was talking... And I didn't do anything about it. People started to come up to me. And that happened twice. And when it happens twice, you kind of know God's doing something. So, so I'm leaning into him for what does this mean and what am I supposed to do with this now rather than thinking, oh, well, that was nice. Maybe it was just sovereign, been gone. So I started to lean into him. And he then encouraged me to start stepping out to actually call those things out on a regular basis. And I've now been doing that for more than a year. Okay, so that's leaning in. What, what are you doing? What are your ways? What are you showing me? In the, because you've just started to spark this through me. So now I'm leaning in because in the last seven, seven weeks, Teresa and I have, have traveled a bit more and we're now home and not going anywhere. Yay. So we've done, been in South Africa, we've been in America, we, and a team of us were in Paris last weekend. In the last seven weeks, we've seen hearing loss restored, sight loss restored. Uh, motorbike accidents healed, uh, car accidents healed, um, quite a long list of yeah, arthritis, breakthrough with arthritis. I'm like, ooh. It's really good to stop and chew the marrow. God, what are you doing? This is exciting. This is, so we're in Paris, and two people are having a conversation. We're doing an activation. So all these terrible tragedy has just unfolded. But then on the Saturday, brave people who've been told to stay at home show up. And God starts to do things in the room. We do a prophetic activation. One young woman speaks to another young woman and says, uh, I just believe the Lord's saying that he's going to make uh, you see things more clearly or something like that, thinking it was a spiritual thing. And the other young woman says, actually, I can't see very well. 
So they pray about it. By the end of the day, the young woman stands up and, and gives testimony that her sight is 100% restored. That's telling me something about God. It's telling me something about his tragedy and he's releasing incredible favor and breakthrough in that city. It's telling me something about what he's doing with me and the team and how he's wanting to work and expand our level of breakthrough and how he loves to help people see and he loves to help people physically walk and how he loves to give people their hearing back. He's not just doing stuff. This is, this is his ways coming out of his heart to change people so that they get blessed and thrilled and encouraged and equipped. And We should stop. So whatever he's doing in your life, whatever he's done in your life, particularly if there's any kind of repeated pattern to it, that's something to make us stop and take notice and start asking Holy Spirit, what is this about? What are you showing me? Heavenly Father, what are you showing me about you? What are you doing? In my, are you getting this? Show me your ways. Don't just give. Sometimes we can treat God like television. We just want to watch another program. Well, that one's done. That was exciting. We did the healing one. What's then the next chapter? You know, what's the next one? Because I've seen healing. I want to see resurrection. Well, we need to get all the nutrients out of the healings we've seen. And then it's not just something there to excite us and entertain us. He's actually wanting a relationship with us. And he expresses himself through the miraculous, through speaking, through, through arranging events around you, through kind of miraculous, strange coincidences. All of those things can be God saying, Hey, I want to talk to you in my kind of way. And I've done my best to communicate in a way that you get it, but I would like to train you to tune your channel in to listen in a different kind of way. Let's stand together. Ah, I like to shoot the clock sometimes. Just gonna take just gonna take a moment to to pray a couple of things and then Yeah. So would you just all pray with me? And uh, we, we do this every week that I'm here anyway. And, and let's just pray this together. Heavenly Father, I believe in you. And I ask you to come into my life today. Would you change my life? I receive your love. And I give myself to you unconditionally. Thank you for Jesus, for his death on the cross for me. Amen. Okay, if you, everybody keep their eyes closed, and if you prayed that today for the first time, would you wave at me, and then no one else will see. <laughs> no, no cheating in the room. <laughs> just wave at me. Just give people a moment to respond to this. Okay, it's all right, we're not going to. We don't pressurize people, but if you pray that today and you didn't put your hand up, come and talk to me at the end. And why don't we just put our hand on our heart? Let's ask God, Father, would you show me 
your ways. Because I want to know you better. And I would like more of your favor on my life. Amen.